0: Well, a few days ago, history was made, if you saw it on the news, a painting of Leonardo da Vinci's sold at Christie's auction for $450 million. And the painting itself is one of 16 known to be in existence. However, it had been lost for 150 years. It was found again. And in the early 1900s, people thought that the painting was a reproduction by one of Da Vinci's students of his original painting. And so it sold for $100. And then in the early 2000s, people still thought it was a replica that his student had painted. And it sold for about 10,000. And the new owner took it to these art experts. They did all these tests. One expert said they almost fainted when they realized it was actually Leonardo Da Vinci's painting and it sold in 20 minutes, $450 million, the biggest sale of any piece of art at auction in history. What you may not know is which painting it was unless you saw it on the news, and it was this painting right here, Leonardo da Vinci's painting of Jesus called Savior of the World. Isn't it fascinating that the biggest sale of a painting in all of history is of Jesus of Nazareth the Christ beautiful beautiful picture an incredible statement again about the impact of Christ in the history of the world and ultimately in the history of eternity and da Vinci painted this picture with great passion for his own faith we're going to talk about today this picture of Christ being our very life and being that truth in our heart. And I wanna share in that context, the story of Daniel Rudiger. Now you may not know him by that name, but most people know him by his name from the movie, Rudy. And I won't talk about the movie, Rudy, just a brief synopsis. If you haven't seen it, make sure you see it. Probably most people here have seen it, but the movie details Rudy's life in his 30s, living in Indiana, he worked at a mill He had a dream to play on Notre Dame football, and people said that's not going to happen. One, he was in his 30s, and two, he's a small-statured man. But through overcoming great obstacles, he does become a player on the team and the only person to be carried off the field at Notre Dame. But it's what happens after that moment in the movie It is just as miraculous in Daniel Rudiger's life. And I'll talk about that here as well today. And I hope you'll gather all sorts of principles from his story and the scriptures that we discuss. And one in particular, I think, that may really change everybody's perspective greatly. Just a brief reminder of this parable in Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 16. It's a parable of the foolish rich man. And Jesus is giving this parable to the disciples. And he says this, A certain rich man had a ground that yielded plenty. He thought to himself, What shall I do since I have no more room to store my crops? So we know what we'd like to hear him say. He has more than he can use. So you would think he would give it away. But Jesus says, here's what he does instead. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build bigger barns to store all my goods. And then what happens next is he says to himself, I have laid up goods for many years. I shall take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And then the parable concludes when Jesus says, But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then who will get all of these things? And then Jesus says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. The parable is not saying anything about there's anything wrong with having material goods or even nice things. That's not the context. The context is the man had so much stuff and he took credit for getting all that stuff. And he had so much stuff, but he didn't share it. He had selfishness and said, if I could just get more for myself, he didn't care about anybody else. And then he sat back and said, I'm going to enjoy it all for myself. And Jesus said, what if God said to you that night, your soul is required of you. Now, what will you do with all this stuff? And so he goes on and says, that is how it is for somebody that lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. So the point is to be rich toward God. How do you be rich toward God? It's following everything you find in scripture about being like christ it's making him that supreme treasure of your life making him that first thing in your life pursuing holiness doing the right thing even if it's difficult making sure to follow after his calling that he has upon you that's why the sale of the painting da vinci's painting the savior of the world is such a beautiful testament to jesus in da vinci's life and now even today in history And hopefully that translates to our day-to-day living to say, I want to be rich toward God. I want Christ to be that treasure for my life. James Malachek said it like this, the first key to overcome any challenge is choose, and that's the key word he highlights, choose a thankful attitude. We're gonna see some things you can do today and a tool you can put into use and you can use it every day to find more gratitude in your life and if you're just feeling stressed, overwhelmed, you can take this tool and use it. I encourage you and hope you use it every single day and share it with other people. It'll overcome depression. It'll overcome stress. It'll again, if you just are wanting to have more vibrancy, it'll help you with that as well. I'll share that here in just a moment. But back to Rudy's story, what happened after that moment when he was on the field, Notre Dame, when he finished up his time at school, he became a maintenance man. Fine job, but it was not his dream. Think about this, though. For nine years, he continued to try to share his story with publishers, with movie directors. He was making phone calls, sending out letters, telling anybody he could about his story, not as an ego trip, but he said, I believe if people knew my story, the odds I overcame, they would be encouraged to not give up, to not quit. And indeed, his story has changed people's lives. They've come out of addictions. They've overcome great odds. People that were suicidal turned that around and became vibrant and healthy and happy in life. But he knew his story would make a difference, but nine years passed. And during that nine years, the employees he worked with made fun of him, always teasing him. I thought you'd be a big movie star by now, Rudy. In fact, one day he said he was out in the yard raking leaves, And some of the employees went by in a truck, rolled down the window, honked the horn and laughed and said, look at the big movie star raking leaves. That moment, Rudy put down the rake, went to the office, turned his keys in, quit, drove to the bank, took out his $600, bought a ticket from Indiana to L.A. And his plan was to knock on doors of directors and tell everybody his story. Well, it didn't work out so smoothly. And what he had to do was sneak into the lots where they were shooting movies. He'd climb the fence, try to talk to people, try to get a meeting, share his story. Finally, one day somebody said, you know, you need to talk to Angelo Pizzo. He produced a movie with a story similar to yours about basketball. That movie was Hoosiers. Find this man, Angelo Pizzo, So that became Rudy's goal at that point. Let me give you the simple tool, and you're going to see how these things play out in Rudy's life. And again, our life in faith and how you can simply take something like we're going to talk about today and allow it to transform your life. Maybe it's relationship troubles that you have. Maybe it's just stress. You know, we all work at different jobs and we've all been around people that seem to create problems if there are not problems. And so maybe it's just stress and overwhelm. And You can take this tool and if you're seeking to say, you know what, how can I be closer to Christ? Take this tool and use it as well. And just practice this every day. And it's a simple statement and you just fill in the statement. You repeat the whole sentence. And then fill in your answer. Do this at least five times a day, five answers. You may use the same five answers every day. But again, you want better questions. We got to ask better quality questions to get the better answers. So, this is something Anthony Robbins and Chloe Madonna put together. And it's simply to say out loud. So, you want to do this in privacy, but say out loud All I really have to do is remember and know that and fill in the blank. All I really have to do is remember and know that. You know, we are great at deleting information until we stop and say, you know, what is it that I've forgotten that I need to remember here in this moment, here facing the obstacles before me, here with the challenges that lie ahead, here with the week and the schedule, that faces me, all I really have to do is remember and know that. You know, when somebody says something cruel or somebody's just angry or you have to face difficulties at your job, your family, whatever the issue, stop for a few moments and just simply answer that question. And it might simply be like this. All I really have to do is remember and know that Jesus loves me and will never leave me nor forsake me. All I really have to do is remember and know that I am loved by my family. All I really have to do is remember and know that in the past, I've always found a way. You know, whatever it is, you simply fill in the statement and do it with a sense of authenticity and reaching down into the deep part of your heart to find those answers. You know, these past several months, I've been studying Islam Not to be critical in any means, but to understand the point of view that they have when they do not accept the promises that Scripture gives about Jesus in our life. And I'll share more of that, but let me just share one thing, because a lot of people have this same question about this Christ life. And here's what you'll find when you discuss or study or read, listen to lectures from Muslim theologians. They say one thing they do not accept are the writings of Paul. Now Paul wrote about three quarters of the New Testament, not Paul, actually his opinion, but inspired by God to write. And so they say they do not accept Paul. And he said the main reason is Paul teaches this idea of grace. And they said this idea of grace that Paul teaches says your sins are forgiven. So in their opinion, they says, then that means you can do whatever you want. And then they ask, where is the human responsibility? If your sins are forgiven and from first to last, well, that means you can do what you want. So that gives people a license then to simply sin. Paul himself was accused of teaching that very same thing. And his response to his accusers was, may it never be. Grace is a free gift. We surrender our life to Christ Sins are forgiven from first to last. But Paul makes it clear that grace is not freedom to sin. It is freedom from sin. In fact, he goes on to say the reality is grace means that in that sinful part of our life, we needed a Savior. He washed away those sins, but we became a new creation by God's grace. We didn't earn it, can't earn it. But he says that's the point, you become a new creation. So you won't say, since my sins are forgiven, I'll do what I want. Rather, you'll say, since my sins are forgiven, I will do what God wants. In fact, it starts a natural process that you just begin to desire and crave the things of Christ. Doesn't mean we're not sinless as far as day to day. We all have challenges, we all sin, but it's not our nature, it's not our core. And so when the Muslims say, you know what, Paul teaches that grace means you can do what you want. No, grace means you won't want to simply do like the rich man in the parable who said, me, me, me. You'll rather say, I want to follow what Christ says. He alone. Which brings us to a verse. And I'm not saying I'm going to explain this in all its depth or that I understand it. In all its depth but this is a critical statement here from Paul 2nd Thessalonians chapter 2 just one verse verse 4 now in the context of this there is a discussion about an ultimate fulfillment of these characteristics of sin seen in an individual people have debated who that individual is or will be but they are the perfect metaphor for evil. But there's also a personal responsibility in this verse. And when Paul speaks of this, pay very close attention to his words here when he talks about this man of sin. Here's what he says. He opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped. He sits as God in the temple of God, and the key here, showing himself that he is God. So people have thought, well, does that mean a literal physical temple somewhere? No, what is the temple of God? Well, you're the temple, I'm the temple. Who sits in the temple? Only one God can sit in the temple. It's either self, like the rich man, or it's Christ. And we have died to sin, And no longer live, but he liveth in me and through me. The key there is, again, he sits as God in the temple showing himself that he is God. Why does he have to show himself that he's God? Because nobody else will. Why won't anybody else? Because nobody else cares. Why doesn't anybody else care? Because they're showing themselves that they are God. In that sin nature, self is trying to show self that self is God. Until that moment when we become crucified with Christ and no longer live, surrender our life to Him, sins are cleansed, washed away, and no longer is it showing Himself that He is God, but rather we spend our life showing Christ is God. Only one can sit in the temple. Now, in the old nature, it was self. In the new nature, it is Christ. This is why we go back to what the Muslims say about Paul. Well, if you say you're forgiven and grace is free, you can do what you want. No, grace means I'm forgiven, it's a free gift, and it also means who sits in the temple now? Who sits in my life that I am the temple? Well, Christ lives in the temple. That's the difference. That's why grace is so amazing. That's why Jesus again said, so it is, he who lays up treasure for himself self 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 but is not rich towards God you want to be rich towards God only one can sit in the temple it's either self or it's Christ and surrender unto him and say you know what Jesus I simply want you and desire what you desire for my life all I really have to do is remember and know that what What has he brought you from? Where has he brought you to? What are things you're facing today that you need to bring to the cross? I love this quote by James Malinchek. You do not get what you want. You get what you expect. You do not get what you want. You get what you expect. Lots of people want things. They may want to be more spiritually vibrant they may want to be debt-free they may want to have a passionate relationship they may want to be fit they may want to follow a nutritional plan once you don't get what you want you get what you expect you see if somebody says you know I want to be debt-free but I expect I'll always have bills I can't pay well you know I want vibrant relationship but I expect The things just kind of, you know, you get separated over the years. I want to have a vibrant faith, but you know what? So what do you expect? What do you expect from God today? What do you expect in your spiritual life? What do you expect Him to do in you, for you, through you? And what do you expect in your relationships? May we raise our standards and say, put Christ alone in that temple. Let Him reign in me. You know, Rudy finally, after three more years, got an appointment with that producer. And he said, you know what? I was going to meet Mr. Pizzo. Finally, he called me and said, you know what? I'll give you five minutes. You've been trying to get a meeting for three years, but I can tell you, Rudy, I'm not making your movie. One, I'm not making another sports movie. And two, I hate Notre Dame. You know, Rudy said, just give me five minutes. And so Rudy went to this restaurant to meet Alonzo Pizzo. Waited four hours, Alonzo did not show up, and Rudy, brokenhearted, you know, walked out of the restaurant with his eyes to the ground, not watching where he was going. He ran into a man, and you know what? It's been 12 years now. He could have been so angry that he, you know, snapped at this man. Instead, though, he had a high standard for himself and the way he treated people. So he said, you know what, I'm sorry. Please excuse me, I wasn't watching where I was going. The man said, you're not from around here, are you? And he said, no. And he gave him a short synopsis. I'm here and I was going to meet Mr. Pizzo, but he must have forgot. And Rudy started to walk away and the man said, you know what? Do you mean Alonzo Pizzo? And Rudy said, yes. And the man said, you know what? I am his delivery man. I will show you where he lives. I will show you where he lives. Later on, Rudy would write this. If your dream is big enough, obstacles don't matter. Rudy went to that house for Alonzo Piso, knocked on the door. He said, Alonzo opened the door. He was furious. And Rudy said, Give me 30 seconds. And Rudy said, Listen, I've got a story that can change lives. You can make a movie about that story to change lives. Will you help me change people's lives? And Alonzo Piso looked back and said, you know what, Rudy, I believe you, and I'm gonna make your movie. All I really have to do is remember and know that fill in the blank. May we be rich toward Christ with an ever thankful attitude. He alone in the temple, He alone reigning. And may we simply day to day ask, answer. All I really have to do is remember and know that. Simply fill in the blank in Jesus name.